This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In this talk, Reggie discusses the destabilizing process of somatic meditation. Practice, he says, opens space in our state of being that gives rise to surprising and unexpected experiences. This talk was given at the September 2005 Meditating with the Body Retreat, held in Crestone, Colorado. To find out about the upcoming Meditating with the Body Retreat, please visit dharmaocean.org. A person whose mind is clear is not a person without problems. And the reason they're not a person without problems is if your mind is clear and you know how to get into that space, there's always the possibility that something is going to come and disrupt your peace. And there's always anxiety that goes along with that kind of um, way of being. Do you know, does that make sense? In other words, it's sort of like you're, um, you're maintaining a state of mind that actually is highly vulnerable. And it's not just vulnerable from the outside, it's vulnerable from the inside, from yourself, and, and we know that. So that's not really necessarily an answer. On the other hand, a person with a lot of problems is also not a person without problems. Because that person is pretty much buried, and that defines most of us, that's most of our life. But there's a middle ground, which is what we're trying to develop here, which is that when things come up, we can work with them. And we have confidence that any state of mind whatsoever that comes up, we know what to do. We can work with the body, we can uh, let go of the storyline, and we can allow the situation or the emotion to move through and to do what it needs to do and communicate what it needs to. So, of course, there are going to be times that we feel tremendous peace and tremendous um, clarity and uh, real uh, freedom. And these are important moments. They show us the, the fullness of our being. But it's also important for us not to hang on to that particularly and to have a willingness to let it go when something else turns up. When we do the body work, Initially, we think that we're going to have it all together soon. And that um, we have a technique that is going to enable us to manage the more um, troublesome dimensions of our experience. And from one point of view, that's actually true. In other words, when things come up, we actually do have a way to work with them and integrate them and move forward. 
But the other thing is that the, what happens is <clears throat> we start to feel a kind of um, relaxation and ease in our body and confidence in our ability to work with things. And what we notice beginning to happen is that emotional states will pop up that are outside our realm of competence. And it isn't just from the inside. We will meet people and they will say things that will really set off anxiety or fear. Just, you know, little comment, little something. And initially we feel really kind of attacked. Like, get out of here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. What are you doing? You know, bringing this, throwing this shit in my face. And what we have to realize is that this is, the more we open and the more competent we become, the deeper the strata of our own ego and our own unconsciousness material is going to surface from. The more work we do, the more deeper and deeper levels of our own hanging on, our own fear, and so on, are going to arise. And it's very, very important to realize that this actually is, is a fruition of your practice. This is not some kind of irritating mental event or, you know, bad dream or, um, un, you know, inconvenient human encounter that has just come out of nowhere. It's not like that. These, these things are actually um, incited by our practice. So truly there is no endpoint in the practice itself. Well, that raises the obvious question, well, if the path is basically going deeper and deeper and if there's always more to deal with and more to work through and more to resolve and integrate, why bother? I mean, if life is going to be painful and difficult and destabilizing, and surprising in a bad way. Why do we, you know, why do we bother doing the work? Well, because the work leads to a clarity and a sense of connection with ourselves and a kind of creativity that we really long for. But part of the deal isn't that all the negative stuff goes away. But the positive is our own sense of being who we are and of working in an effective way with our life and of having confidence we can handle things when they come up. Even though initially we can't handle it, we know how to handle it, we, we do handle it. And the other reason for doing the work, obviously, is the deeper we go, the more helpful we become to other people. If people come in at the same level that we're at in terms of our understanding, we can be friends, but we're not going to be that helpful because we don't, we can't really see what's going on and we can't help them connect with what they're needing to connect with. We're going to, when, when somebody comes in at our own level, the same things that freak them out freak us out. So they tell us about their problem and we freak out. 
And even if we're in a, a uh, you know, helping profession, we're sitting there kind of maintaining our professional uh, posture, we're freaked out. And we basically freeze and we can't really help them. So we, you know, through doing this work, the deeper we go, then the more problems and emotional states and human encounters that used to completely make us go nuts, they don't anymore because we, we've actually worked through that and there's a sense of space around it. We don't freeze up. So I'm just mentioning that um, we're sitting a little bit here and I'm providing the space so that we can run into some difficulties and uh, irritating states of mind and we can remember some uh, annoying conversation we had at lunch. I need to provide a lot of room at that with, for that so that we have more to work on. But please have confidence in the fact that this is an endless journey. And we're never going to, it's not like you're in a plane and you're going through the clouds and pretty soon you're up above it all and you're just flying through the blue sky. It's not like that. I mean, I think you sort of suspect that. But there's another part of us that when we run into very strong practice and we feel a lot of transformation, we really do hold out the outside hope that pretty soon we're going to hit the blue sky and there's going to be no more atmospheric turbulence. And it just isn't like that. So what is the attitude we should take? Here's a quotation. The everyday practice, and people divide your inner training intensive, we're gonna go, here he goes again. The everyday practice is to develop an attitude of complete acceptance and openness to all, all, A-L-L, situations, and emotions, and to all people. So, the more we work, the more we notice the painful spikes of our emotional life and our human encounters. And at that point, the invitation is to open and open further. And Strangely enough, that's how you handle, so to speak, difficulties. And now, how is that handling things opening in that particular way? Because the emotions that we consider unacceptable are in fact not unacceptable. In fact, they are our own life trying to come to birth. And the more room we give to emotions and encounters, situations, people, the more we discover why they're in our life and what they're there for. And truly, they're not there to uh, create uh, annoying disturbances. They're there to enable us to move forward as human beings, to grow and to uh, be more creative and more present to our lives. So the basic idea is to welcome I mean, of course, you know, initially, if somebody throws a bucket of cold water in your face, your initial response is not to welcome the bucket of cold water. But once you sort of, you know, shake off the uh, water, to welcome the encounter and to feel the invitation to open and extend and let go of personal territory that is in the situation. So I just uh, thought I'd mention that. Uh, you know, as we go along here.
And uh, I think if we don't have any expectation that we're going to eliminate suffering permanently from our lives through this practice, then it will go a lot better. And I do know that, I mean, no one, if I said to someone, do you think you're going to eliminate suffering permanently from your life through this practice, there are probably not very many people who would say, yeah, that's what I think. And nevertheless, we do have that general kind of underlying, almost unconscious idea that because the practice is so powerful, somehow I'm going to be able to work my way out of this, you know, rotten human condition that I'm in. And um, that, that can, you know, that can uh, get in our way, that, that uh, unconscious belief. Now, if you happen to be a person that works with other people in this country, or I would say anywhere at this point, um, you know, you've got a challenge. Because most, um, most people, actually, that is what they want. I mean, that's what we all want, but, but most people actually have some idea that it's possible. And so you, as a person in a helping profession, person's looking at you and going, are you going to save me? I've come here because I want to be saved from my own human condition. Are you going to do that? So it's just interesting for all of us to consider what our response might be in that situation. You know, the, the easy way is to say, yeah, I've got a technique that's great and it's really going to change your life and you won't have any more problems. And that, of course, on every page of every magazine in this country, that's, what, that's basically the message that's coming across, whether it's um, helping profession or advertising, whatever it is. But what if you know better as a person in the helping profession? Then what? I mean, then what do you do? So it's an interesting challenge for all of us how to connect with people and promise them what can be promised, but not promise what can't be promised, and not set them up. So, just a thought for the day. <laughs> to download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion. <laughs>